Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by SPED Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, we are going to learn how to fix intrinsic motivation in students with my special guest, Dr. Lee Jenkins. Welcome, Lee. We're glad glad to have you on the show. I'm sorry, I'm tripping over my own words. (laughs) It is a thrill to be here, Peggy. Thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. uh, We are going to have a good time. Yes, Um, yes. We were having a good conversation before we started, and I almost wasn't watching the time. So you're going to have a, a, a great conversation to listen to. And um, and Lee is, has a whole boatload of information and a lot of encouragement. So if you are kind of frustrated, my student's not motivated, stick around, share this broadcast with other people that you know. Um, uh, we're doing it live right now. So if you're on with us live, instead of watching the recorded version or listening to the podcast, um, share it with a friend, um, maybe a discouraged friend who is feeling like, I just don't know how to get this student learning. Um, we've got some 
some great information um, Dr. Jenkins is going to share with us. Um, so, But if you are watching live, make sure you put comments and questions in the feed. We do have questions from those of you that have submitted it ahead of time from the broadcast, and we'll be adding those questions in throughout the conversation as they fit or at the end. So um, so be listening and watching for those as well. Um, so, so, Lee, I am super excited about this conversation. We were focusing this month on alternatives to therapy. Um, because a lot of times when we have kids that struggle, we often just go to, well, it's either the curriculum's issue or it's some something wrong with my child, which is how the school labels it. Um, and so there we for we have to fix the child um, by taking them to therapy. And a lot of times parents don't think of the more basic things about what's going on inside the child or um, maybe some overarching things. And so motivation, when um, when you guys approached me about talking about that, I thought this fits really good in this month because a lot of times when our students um, have been through various things, motivation kind of gets Yes. Something that needs to be fixed. And I know we're going to talk about that today. So yeah. I'm super excited. Um, but I would love for our audience to, to just get to know you a little bit better and to hear more about your story and how you got involved in the field of education um, and what prompts your passion regarding student motivation and even how you got a little bit involved, you know, into the homeschooling realm because you have a new book out about homeschooling, too. And I'd love them to hear all of that um, kind of in a nutshell from you. Okay. I am an example of how God plans lives for people. Um, I did not, I did not choose to say I wanted to become a teacher. Um, I was a freshman in college praying, God, what do you think I should be doing? And I, and I felt God, I know God led me towards education. So you hear the phrase a lot. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the unqualified and then qualifies them. Absolutely. That's what happened in my life. And God brought me into contact with amazing world-class one in a million people for years from place to place to place. He would say no to this job and no to that job and no to that job and yes to this one because there was a genius waiting for me. Wow. And so... Uh, I was not qualified, and he qualified me. So that's the first part about how I ended up in education. Um, How did I become interested in intrinsic motivation? Yeah. Well, one of those people uh, that I learned so much from was W. Edwards Deming. He lived from 1900 to 1993. Uh, He became uh, famous in America in 1980. Because Japan, uh, he worked with Japan, and there was a documentary put out in 1980, If Japan Can, Why Can't We? Because he'd been advising the Japanese for years. Uh, Douglas MacArthur took him to Japan in the 50s because the Japanese couldn't make anything that worked. And the most prestigious prize in Japan for a business person today is the Deming Award, named after an American. So I got to hear him when he was 92 years old for four days. And the audience was educators. The only time he spoke to educators as the only audience. And he talked about how great American schools are at discouraging kids to want to learn. Wow. The phrase he used was, we drive the yearning for learning out of them. 
Yeah. So I've done some questioning on that. I've done a lot of workshops all over the United States and internationally for educators. 3,000 of them, I ask, what grade level do you teach? And what percent of your kids love school? Well, it starts out 95% of the kids in kindergarten love school. It gets worse every year. It gets worse and worse and worse every year, down and down, until a low of grade nine. The teachers say that in grade nine, uh, 37% of the kids love school. Wow. And we still don't know why they love school. It could be for sports. It could be for music. Right. It could be for cheerleading, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then, so it goes, it ticks up a little bit after that. So one of my good friends, who's a multimillionaire uh, high school dropout, said, well, the reason it goes up a little bit in the high school is because they didn't count people like me. I wasn't there. I dropped out. Ah, not that's back. interesting. <clears throat> so then, then I've been asking further. And, I, and people in the audience, you do this. Ask yourself from your high school days. If you've got children in high school, ask them, relatives, friends, anybody in high school. Just say, okay, think about the people you know that are juniors and seniors in high school. How many of them are as excited to come to school and learn as they once were in kindergarten? That is very rare. I always get, <clears throat> I always get within 10%. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Kelly, could it's you not surprising. I'm going to get a bottle of water. So. Oh, <laughs> yes. So I should have thought. I thought of it first and, didn't, and then didn't get it. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah. fewer than 10% are as excited about coming to school as to learn. Right. So the problem is in all organizations, when things don't go well, we bl- like just like you said in your introduction, Peggy. We blame the child or the parent. In this case, we blame the child or the parents. Right. Well, if you're going to blame the child or the parents for that problem, then you have to say ninety percent of our families are messed up. It's not true. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are there messed up families? Yes. Ninety percent? No. So if 90% of the kids don't want to be there anymore to learn, then something's wrong in the system. Yes. Now, I'm not teacher bashing. The teachers don't write in their lesson plans who they're going to discourage today. Exactly. It's built built into the system. So uh, people think their jobs to motivate the kids to learn. No, huh. it's not advice. Right, exactly. It's not our job to motivate them. They come to us and they were born motivated to learn. Yeah, they, right. They come to us in kindergarten motivated. So our job is to maintain the motivation God gave them at birth. Right. That's our job. Absolutely. So one of my favorite stories comes from Jeff Burgard. He's an eighth grade science teacher, Issaquah, Washington. Every year, teaching five periods of science, each period, first day of school, some kids come each of the five periods and they say to him, Mr. Burgard, just so you know, I hate science. <laughs> so he says to them, oh, that's interesting. Uh, when did you decide to hate science? He said, the kids will say, I always hated science. He'll say, you know, actually, that's not true. You loved everything in kindergarten. Tell me what happened to you. And they tell their story. Wow. They can tell you the grade level. They can tell you the teacher. 
And, right. what and from then I decided I hate science. He said, well, okay, this year, here's the deal. I'm not going to motivate you to do science this year. What I am going to do is I'm going to listen very, very carefully. You're going to help me. And I, my job is to, put you, to restore you the way you used to be. That's my job. Put you back like you used to be. That's a completely different mindset on motivation. Right. Yeah. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. Motivation in the United States means pride. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it really does. We're going to bribe them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to give them boring work for four days a week so they can have fun on Friday. Right? Yes. We're going to bribe them to do this boring work for four days so they can have fun on Friday. And it works for some Fridays. depends on, you know, the bribe. But it's not what we... It's not what homeschool families went in the business to do to bribe their kids to learn. Right. And that brings up a question, yeah, too, from one of our viewers. And she asked, should I use rewards to motivate my student? Um, That was Don G. um, So so we call them rewards, bribes, whatever. But but what what should, you know, yeah. What What we want to do is celebrate with them when they do better on something they have ever than they've ever done before. So let's just take a simple example of reading speed. It's not uncommon to have kids read to you for a minute and you count how many words they read in a minute. We put that on a graph and we graph it. The kid read 15 words in a minute. And guess what? The next week they read 17 words in a minute. Now it's a new story. It goes up and down because they're different stories. But they're right. all about the same level. Yeah, mm-hmm. approximately the same level. So the kid reads 17 words in a minute, more than ever before. That We call that an all-time best. And what do you do? Uh, you do high 10. You, you do <clears throat> wait till your dad, <clears throat> till dad comes home today, and we get to tell him you did your all-time best. He's going right. to be so pleased, so proud of you. Uh, so... It is recognizing that they did better than they've ever done before. Yeah. That's it. If it's a a quiz with questions, like, say, math fluency, we're not trying to get 100% right. Exactly. We're trying to get more right than ever before. Yeah. So if the client quiz has 30 questions and I get seven right, okay, that's not good or bad. That just is. Right. Now it's progress. And if uh-huh. I get eight right, <clears throat> see, that's what we want. Now, some of the athletics, athletics really has got that right. Swim team, you're oh, not absolutely. in competition with the other swimmers. You're trying to beat your own personal best time. Yeah. Wrestling, it, track, even, even the, the practices for, you know, basketball. I made three of the ten free throws. And this time right. I made four of the ten in practice. Okay? Yeah. It's, so athletics understands that. Better than education in the classroom understands that. But it's the same principle. I am so yeah, exactly. happy with myself when I do better than I've ever done before. 
Yes. Exactly. And that stays with our student versus, you know, the, the, the little trinkets or whatever or the rewards that we have to keep thinking up of um, that. And and we all. Yeah. I th- we're just built that way. We we want yes. that that um, just that pat on the back that's, you know, you're doing a good job. The the the, the words of that. Yes. Just yes. Build you up. Yes. Um, in a in a classroom. Uh, a seventh grade classroom I've worked with quite a bit here in Arizona that when the kids had their personal best, they did a high 10 with the teacher and they wrote their name on the whiteboard. That's it. Uh They stayed there all day. So then kids in other periods saw their friend's name there. All time. Yeah. That recognition is so important. So in the book, I wrote how to create a perfect school prior to the one on perfect homeschool. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chapter there. The teacher says, if you behave after lunch, I'll let you have another quiz. Now, she knew they were going to behave after lunch. Kids asked for a quiz. That was her smart mouth way of saying, you can have it. Okay. Right. And when, when you hear kids begging for quizzes. So, <laughs> okay. So Kelly, that I wrote the homeschool book with, she read the book. She knew what it said. Right. But it wasn't until her children said, their favorite part of homeschool was taking quizzes to see if they could do better than ever before. That it finally say, this is for real because right. my children love it. They want to know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. It, it, that, I had never thought about that, but it is knowing, knowing yes. I am improving, knowing, knowing I am doing better because a lot of times our kids don't even know a lot of, we'll we give know. them quizzes and we'll say, well, you know, this is what you got. Let's move on to the next thing. And yeah, we, know. we don't try that to, to get to those personal bests. Graph it. Graph it so they can see it. Oh yeah. We have such visual learners that is. Yes, they need to see it. Impactful. And when they do better than ever before, we, we put we put a little bit sometimes a sticker above it or a, a draw a star or we write ATV for all time best just to designate it so you can quickly look at it and say, wow, you have five all time bests already. Right. Yep. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about you know I I know we we focus on this intrinsic motivation in school, but just the long term impact this has on uh, a child for the rest of their life. If we as parents make this shift in this intrinsic motivation versus external motivators or um, or just, you know, kind of just doing the lessons and moving on, how impactful is this for the rest of the student's life if we make this change? Well, if you just think about, you know, because there are 10 percent of the people or 8 percent, something like that, that did keep that level learning. Yes. Through high school. Guess what? They still have it. Yeah. Okay. Cause, cause I've interviewed some of those people that they were one of the few, they were one, you know, in the five, right. eight 8% and, and it stays with them. So the impact is if you don't lose that love of learning from between kindergarten and 12th grade, you've got it for life. Yeah. That's, that's, Amazing, because it, it affects so many things in our lives. If if we either yes. shut down the, that learning or we keep it going, mm-hmm. um, and and it can make dramatic effects. I mean, I'm 
you seem like a lifelong learner and, <laughs> and just that, that motivation and, and that curiosity, I think is, it affects a lot our curiosity and mm-hmm. our willingness to, to go into to spaces that we know nothing about and to learn. Mm-hmm. Cause as we were talking before the broadcast, it seems like you've, you've had a lot of, of variables in, in your career that, you know, you, you've had that, um, that motivation to move into places you don't know anything about. And, um, and that, Makes and, a difference when you're motivated. Wait. I wasn't one of the kids that had that love of learning in high school. So I want so to say, also, if, if you're working with a child that's given up and they don't, they've lost that love of learning, you can build it back. And I'm an example of that. I, yeah. I did not leave uh, high school. It was ninth grade for me when I lost the love of learning. I kept it until then. It was gone. Wow. So. So let's let's give um, homeschool parents some ideas then on what if their student and I know we have a couple questions here. Would you, would it be okay if we dive into those questions sure, um, first? In. That um, we have just some, and I'm, I'm sure as I read these, you're going to say, "Oh man, I'm there too." Um, we want you to realize you're not alone. Um, a lot of our students um, get beat up by the system. Um, especially in special ed, and they, they become unmotivated. And then we start homeschooling, and we don't know how to reignite that love of learning. So, so I'm going to give Lee these, um, these questions, and, and we'll go off those answers. If you have questions that pop up in your head while we're, we're going through these, put them in the feed so we can address those as well. And then um, we'll have him share some other ideas that um, he comes up uh, come to your top of your mind as we're going through these two. Um, but um, the first question is, I just need help motivating my 12-year-old daughter. She has lots of medical and neurodevelopmental challenges. She can learn slowly at her own pace, but her motivation has waned. Over the past three years, she is still doing kindergarten to second grade level work. I don't expect that she will become a nuclear physicist, but I know she's capable of more than she's trying to do. She is the oldest of five, and I honestly believe her motivation started to decline once my attention with her became more and more divided. Okay, so let's talk about that. It's um, she, she needs that same thing, that record of continuous improvement. Right. And, and let me, let me um, quote uh, John Hattie from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, well, most of the educators in the, in the school systems know that name. And he gave us the triplet skill, will, and thrill. Huh. Okay? Okay. Easy to remember because they rhyme. Yes, they do. <laughs> now, so everybody is concerned about the skill. Yes, true. But if the kids lose the will to work hard and they gain no thrill from the learning, uh, guess yes. what? The skill is an uphill battle. Yeah. And guess and by the way, the kid lo- the kid wins, the parents lose because they can't get them to learn the skill if they if they have no will to work hard and they get no thrill from the learning. Right. So we're talking about the bribery. You see, we think that the bribe is the thrill. No, 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 no. The thrill has to come from the learning. Yes. So if you buy a program and your kid hates it, trash it. And you say, oh, I spent $200 on it. Yeah, but your kid's worth more than 200 Trash oh. it. You, yeah. the, the thrill must come from the learning. Right. You have to keep, what you know that, 
then you just keep working towards it. So the title of the book, How to Create a Perfect Homeschool, sounds crazy because it's not <laughs> going to be perfect. Okay? Right. So, so why, why do I use the word perfect? Because if you don't know what perfect is, you'll never get closer. So what's perfect? That the kid keeps that intrinsic motivation they were born with. Right. Now, do you have some bad days? Yes, everybody does. But once you know that that's what perfect would be, that I keep this motivation alive that God gave them at birth. Yes. Then, yes. then you, it changes your trajectory. That's what you're after. Um, so um, one of uh, Kelly's boys, kindergarten, and we had some reading things for him to do, him to do and he didn't want to do them. So, Pretty typical. <laughs> he didn't want to do them. Yeah. And, and so I learned that he liked Australian animals, which is common. And Kelly told me that he likes um, a kookaburra song. He knows the kookaburra song. Okay. So she put together a booklet. And the booklet is the words of the song, one line per page. So it's a line and then a new page, another line, new page, another line, new page, another line. And we said to him, yeah, yeah. we've got a book here with no illustrations. Can you illustrate this book for us? He illustrated the whole book. He, he read it over and over and over. Oh, absolutely. Luck with the book. Okay. And so, <laughs> so once you say the thrill must come from the learning and they have to be willing to work hard. And he worked very hard illustrating all those pages. I don't oh, know, yeah. 25 pages. It was a lot of hard work. And he loved it. He slept with it. And he read it over and over and over. We won. But how did we win? Because we have in our mind skill, will, and thrill. We're, the skill's right. He needs to learn to read. We got that exactly. right. Exactly, yes. But I'm not going to cram it down. We're going to give him a way to learn the skill he needs because he's, he's five. He doesn't know he needs it. Right. So get, we know as an adult he needs it. So he's going to get this skill in a way where he works hard and receives thrill, the thrill from it. So just keep those yeah. in mind, skill, will, and thrill. If you don't have all three in place, back off. Hmm. Yeah, so a, a lot of that, you know, I guess we call that, you know, student-centered learning or, um, you know, just around basic, you know, interests of a child um, or child-directed learning. But, but yet yes. it involves that parent kind of involvement in helping to cultivate that that skill um, based on what you know about the child and what a perfect thing for as parents we know our children best so mm -hmm. it's it should be one of those things but I think a lot of times we make the mistake and I know as a, a homeschooler myself thinking well but these curriculums are written by experts <laughs> and so shouldn't they be able to teach my child um, so I can I can hear you contradicting that already <laughs> uh, there there are experts out there and and what and what they want the kids to know is their expertise. Huh. How to get them there, it may not be their expertise. Right. Yeah. yeah, so kind of using them almost like a guide. This is, you know, like the what what your child needs to know in third grade. <laughs> yeah. And kind of going off of that with with whatever um, motivates and, your child. And there's no see the problem with a book or a program is there's page numbers. And of course there's page numbers. How else right. are you going to put a book together without page numbers? Of course <laughs> you there are need page to numbers. reference it. Yes. Why? 
then we think that the page number indicates a sequence. I have to do page one and then do page two and then page three. No. So find find when in, in most of the things you paid, you pay that $200. There's some things in there your student will work hard and will learn. It doesn't have to be in sequence. Right. It's just books come in a sequence. That's, that's how it is. Right. So to the question, um, the child's doing the kindergarten, first, second grade work and is older. They they need to see their progress. What do I want? Okay, so uh, first grade, we want kids to read often 60 words a minute. Okay? So I'm going to give, I'm going to get from the library a bunch of books that are rough that same level, and we're going to read every week, and we're going to graph how many we got. Um, It's it's true for all the things we want them to know. Here's what I want them to know at the end of the year. And we're going to work towards that, and we're going to track along the way. And hopefully by the end of the year, we got it nailed. Yeah. Yeah, so just setting some overall goals and then tracking. But, I mean, your student doesn't need to know if they fail your expectations. All they need to know is how they've made progress. Yes, that's what they need to know. That's what they need to know. I'm doing better than I've ever done before. Right. And then if you've got several children in the home being homeschooled, we have another graph called the family graph, and we add the total up for the whole group. So the whole, every kid, in the, uh, doesn't matter what it is, what reading speed or math questions right or anything, you know, spelling words, anything. We add it all up. And huh. uh, and when the and so one of the things that uh, with Kelly's family, when they when the when they have a family run chart, their best ever on that on the family run chart, then they get a night where dessert comes first. <laughs> That's their celebration. Dad's there. They all get to celebrate. We did I like that night. you called that a celebration versus a reward. It's, it's a celebration. It's fun. Yes. We're not giving them anything. We're just enjoying life together, and this is a fun thing we get to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they know they earned it. And right. it was yeah. all of them together. They, they want to help each other because they like that. They like yeah. the celebration. Yeah, it's that encouraging environment that you're creating on top of that um, with with the family, yes. and and it really um, <clears throat> those motivators that you know when somebody's falling behind, just we sometimes just need encouragement. And who better yes. than the people that know you and love you, your siblings, right. the parents, mm-hmm. the children, um, <clears throat> to to come alongside you? And yep. so creating that environment too by mm-hmm. by looking at it this way. Right. And one of the things with the environment is when you when a paper is given back to a kid that's been scored, you don't write how many they missed on the top. You put a plus for how many they got right. Because the thing that when they get the paper back from the, the mom, mm-hmm. they look at it and they, they want first thing they want to know is did I do better than ever before? Yes. That's what they look at. They don't look at how many they missed. They look at did I do better than ever before? That's and it awesome. won't yeah. mm-hmm. when it Absolutely. does. Wow, it's a big time. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that is. It just changes the perspective of, of you know, what you are focusing on, and mm-hmm. and we can focus so much of our attention on the the lack of reaching perfection versus the growth from nothing to have gaining information. Yes. It's it's yeah. a it's a total shift in in how you look at progress um Mm -hmm. 
and and also in just evaluations in general. Um, and and yeah, they're oftentimes we we score based on an average, and our child is not average. Each of them are so unique, and so I, I just love this concept and what you're talking about. Um, we have another question from a viewer, and. Um, Lisa H. wrote, motivating an ADHD child with learning disabilities to want to learn and do school. So is there well, anything specific to ADHD and motivation? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, it's, um, they, they need to move. Yes. Uh, I mentioned Bill Martin Jr. in our earlier conversation, and he says that some children learn to read with their feet, which is rather... But it's saying I had one of those. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they have they they're full of rhythm, and yeah. so they can't read without their feet showing the rhythm of the book. Huh. And, and so, let them move. Um, it, it's 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 okay. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we we put in a box how learning should look. And, and I, I think a lot, you answered probably a lot of that question at the, you know, in the beginning too, and just talking about that, the motivation. And I guess it's, it's the same answer to the other question previously too, is just show that progress and, but yet add movement, add whatever that child needs. Um, you know, going back to your skill, will, and, and thrill, I memorized that. Um, <laughs> I'm proud of myself. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's, you make it so simplified. Yeah. But, see, and, and math, see, math is the field that needs all of these objects. There's tons of good objects for math. Yeah. And they used to be in schools and they're not there as much now. Uh, my co-author in math stayed with the math field and she goes to math conferences and what's there are big programs and computer stuff. And they're taking away all of the hands-on math stuff from the, from the schools and homeschool families can replace, can bring it back to what it used to be with all of these things that make sense to them. Right. And so yeah, you, and that's also for the kids that are active. They need their hands on the materials or it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, we try, we push too hard the theoretical before we get the the analytical basis down. Yes. Um, and if, if you're not involved in that field too much, it, the, you know, the theoretical, the mind, mind being able to move things versus the hands being able to move things. And um, yeah, I did geometry with my kids with folding paper and yes. not until, I mean, I have, I have a minor in mathematics <laughs> and mm. not until, and I failed geometry in college. I will admit that. Um, <laughs> but I didn't understand geometry until I started folding paper with my children and going, oh yeah, this is why this proof works and I can like prove it right here. Yeah. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. Yes. That's what we're talking about, Peggy. You've got it. You've got it. Right. Yeah. And it's, but yet it seems so counterproductive a lot of times when we're like, but we're doing all this like table stuff. It's like the experiments in science. Can't we just learn the concept and move on? But that information doesn't stick and no. it doesn't stay with us. Um, I taught my oldest um, analytical chem or calculus, and and so he understood the why behind why calculus worked, 
And unfortunately, he failed the theoretical test when he took his college entrance exam (laughs) because he hadn't, we hadn't, you know, transferred it yet. But yet when he started taking calculus in college, he took six semesters of calculus because he has a degree in biomedical engineering. Um, He he whizzed through that past his classmates who had only learned the theoretical because he knew why, what the formulas were, what they stood for versus just the manipulation of the numbers on the theoretical side. So, um, so yeah, so just great encouragement that the, the hands-on stuff, we often think, well, this is just wasting so much time. It's really, really not. And you're building those skills at that basic level that your students can build off of so much quicker later. That uh, survey that I did of the teachers on 3000 teachers. Yeah. Another question was, what percent of the year are you spending teaching kids content they should already know? Yeah. The average is one third of the year. That's amazing. Isn't that? That's from 3,000 teachers. The average is one third of the year spent in review. So if you think that the hands-on takes time, well, you, if it, it, it doesn't take time because you don't have to reteach it. They get right. It. Teach yeah. it theoretical and you'll teach it again next year and then you'll teach it again next year. Because they don't get it. Exactly. So, so what I, I, this is off my questions that I had before, but it, it, um, I think it's really relevant is, you know, a lot of people say, I, I can't take time off, especially with my student who has special needs. We can't take a break. Um, a lot of them won't even, you know, take more than, you know, just a couple days here and there. And they just push through doing school all year long and um, hardly taking any vacations because my child's going to lose that information. How how much of that is true, or how much of that is based on how we're teaching? Okay, um, let me just think of. Let me go back to a minute for the the school systems, and we always blame that the summer is when kids forget. They come back. They come to school. They're, they finish third grade. Now they're in fourth grade, and the fourth grade teacher can't believe that they don't know this stuff. And then we blame the summer vacation. It's not summer vacation. They didn't remember it on Monday. Yeah. They crammed the spelling words on Thursday night. They spelled them correctly on Friday. They didn't know them on Saturday. Summer vacation has nothing to do with it. But we blame it on summer. Because then it's, right. then we, we can say, well, society's fault. I didn't create summer vacation. I can't. No, they didn't remember it. So you, we, it really is important to spend the time in depth so that they learn it. And I would, I'd let, I'd let them have the time, vacation. And, but my also advice is, if you want to have the same number of days that are in the public schools, I mean, you can, right. but, you, but look at it this way. There's a, typical schools are 180 days. Yeah. Okay, give them 180 days of education. No more, no less. But you, you have flexibility. You can yeah. not teach it all this week. You, you, you can do whatever you want. You can, but you can keep track of the number of days if you want. I don't know that that's that, as important as that they learned it. But, right. if, but I'm answering the question. If somebody's concerned about that, don't push through. Use your best judgment on, what, on whether they've had it or not. Um, uh, yeah. One of the things that Kelly has in her home is a do-nothing chair. I love that. <laughs> and, and so when the kid says, my brain is fried. I just yes. can't learn it. For, okay, well, just, it's not a punishment. Just go sit in the do-nothing chair for a while and let your yeah. brain relax. 
Or if you've got a bad attitude, go sit in the do-nothing chair for a while and come back when you go to the attitude. You're not punished. Just go sit there. Come mm-hmm. back when you're ready. So you have a lot of flexibility in the home. Right. And use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's another thing to approach too. Is is when we are ready to learn, and that intrinsic motivation has something to do with it. But um, I I've addressed this probably in my show a while ago. But a lot of times with mental health and and other things going on in our students, um, learning doesn't happen when we're dealing with other things. So I love that do nothing chair idea um, because. There, there are opportunities, like you say, when when there's a will. Can mm-hmm. we talk about that will part of that, um, the, the 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 skill, will, and thrill? But um, but when yeah. we have that that willingness yeah. or ability even to learn, yeah. they we we want to do everything we can to keep the will to work hard alive. Now, I'll just give you an example. Let's talk about writing. Yeah. Because uh, that's really important for kids to write and write and write. And it's hard. Right, exactly. So so here's some things we do to help kids want to work hard in writing. (laughs) One is we usually have them write about art. So the art comes first. Okay, yes. And while they're doing the art, they know they're going to write about the, <clears throat> what they did. And perhaps the ideas generate. Uh-huh. Then we have to deal with uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, spelling. The kids will ask, how do you spell this? Right. And right. what happens exactly. in schools and also in homeschools, they get a, when they ask how to spell something, they get a spelling lesson. No. <laughs> when they ask how to spell something, tell them. No spelling lesson, nothing. Just tell them. Because a spelling lesson makes them not want to ask anymore. That's true. And it it interrupts the flow of the story. We have a a spelling, my my custom dictionary that's on my website soon. But anyway, it's that idea. But there's a lot of spelling dictionaries. Just the the adult writes the word in the dictionary and the kid copies it in the story. Just Mm -hmm. okay, got to deal with that. Then we have to deal with editing. The red pencil hurts self-concept. The eraser helps self-concept. So they write write in pencil, and they come to the teacher and say, I'm done with my story. Can you – and then you you find the mistakes, and you edit. And unbelievable amount of learning takes place between the adult and the child through the editing process. Let's erase this. Let's erase this. I'll get it right. I'll write it spelling. I'll write it correctly for you. Let's put a period here. Let me put it there for you. Then you want a capital letter here. Let me do that. And we edit and talk. Yes. Then, so then they want to work hard. The other thing is they have more ideas in their head than their hand has strength. Yeah. So they'll write a story, start it, and then they write the end. Well, they're not done. <laughs> right. Their hand's tired. Yeah. So you go over and say, okay, let, let's erase the end. Tell me, the, tell me the rest of your story. And you take dictation. You write for them. You just write it. Keep uh-huh. talking. I'll write it for you. And then after a paragraph or two, you say, was well, your hand tired? Can you write now? Or you want me to keep doing it? They'll often say, oh, my hand's okay now. Okay, then you can keep writing. 
Exactly. You make it a rewarding experience and one that it it builds more relationship and confidence through the process. And and so we get it edited as right. It's in pencil. And sometimes we ask them to trace over it in felt pen. So they get practice doing it right. And they love the felt pen. Yeah. We have little stickers, about nickel-sized stickers. They make a mistake with the felt pen. We can just put a sticker over the mistake and go on. I love that. There are strategies to keep the will strong. That's what I'm answering. How do you – and that's true for everything. How do you keep the will strong? Yes. Sometimes if it's in math and they're burnt out on math, say, okay, you finish that page later. We're not going to do it now. Let's go to this over here. Let's do math this way. Let's do it with this material. You don't have to finish the whole page and then go to the next whole page. In fact, you're probably better to not finish the page. You can come back to it later. It helps the memory. So oh, yeah. there are things to do to keep the will strong, but that's what we're after. We're monitoring the will and thrill. And if you monitor those, the skill comes. You can't help but gain the skill if you're if you're working hard and learning it and loving the learning. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We have one viewer who said this year was the first year that my son actually wants to learn. Um, and she said, I've taught him time the last three years. He didn't care to learn it this year. Now he needs to know time. So he gets to practice on time and he learned it in an hour. <laughs> yes. yes. Isn't that true? We push and push and push and push. And then guess what? When they're ready, they learn it. Exactly. I think so much of what we we push is based on our own fears of what's not going to happen um, for our children. And, you know, we we're, we're so ingrained with their lives and we want them to see see them succeed. But to yes. that stepping back and allowing them to progress at their own rate and and to have those personal bests is, is sometimes really hard. Do you have any advice for parents on just how to to embrace that that progress as it happens? Well, it's a, there has to be a system in place to do that. Yeah. Uh, there has to be the, 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 the graph in place. Yeah. There has to be. Uh, um, know what you want them to know at the end of the year. <clears throat> it's, and then once you know what you want them to know at the end of the year, then you can show the progress towards that all year long. <clears throat> but if you don't know what you want them to know at the end of the year, then it's kind of, it's harder to show the progress. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and I saw that on your website you have some some free downloads. Is that sure. um, some of those yeah. progress charts are on there? Yeah. The uh, okay. all the all the blank graphs are there. Um, awesome. And it'll ask you how many questions you're asking each week. Okay. Each quiz. Okay. Well, how do you know how many? Well, it depends on how much you want them to know at the end of the year. So. Um, Say you want kids to know where the 50 states are on a blank map. But now you've got 50. Okay, so you know that. Right. So each week they take a quiz on some of the states and, and draft how many they got right out of that. And how many do you choose each week? Well, it's it's this seven or eight. It's approximately the square root. That gives you enough. you got 100 concepts for the year. You're going to quiz them on 10 a week at random out of the whole thing. Right. It's at yeah. random out of the whole bucket. So spelling is an easy one to understand. Uh, first grade, 150 spelling words for the year. They're in a bucket, all the words. When it's time for the spelling test, you reach in the bucket and pull 12 out at random. 
and yeah. and they get two right the first week of school. Okay, they good by the end of the year. Doesn't matter which twelve you pull out, they can spell them all. They didn't. They don't study the night before. They know it. They've got it in their head. They've got yeah. it. So, but it starts with what do I want them to know at the end of the year? And sometimes the programs that are there at the exhibit halls and stuff, right? They have a good outline of what you wanted to know at the end of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe their program to get there is not what you want, but what they expect, the skill level, they're they are experts at that. They know a lot of not always right, but good good probability. And yeah. Now you're going to find a way to get them there by the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's so much more important than finishing the book. <laughs> you don't so, need to finish the book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and do you have any other recommendations for resources or things to avoid that help overall with motivation? Okay. Well, for resources, uh, my website it's ltoj l2j.net. Yep, I've got that right. L2j.net, and it has a ton of resources there for elementary school. That's where the resources are there for. It's in reading. It's in writing. Um, it's in math. The latest book is a wordless book, for example. Well, why a wordless book? Well, the kids dictate. They tell you what the words are. We've done it with four-year-olds. I think I'll be doing it with a three-year-old next. Um, they tell you the words, and they, they dictate the words for the book, and they can read a whole book. And That's then cool. you say, wow, you're four years old, and you wrote a book already. And they just smile ear to ear. But they got, So there's a lot of resources to help the will and thrill. And, it, and, and I'm not interested in the kids at homeschool keeping up with the public schools. I want them to exceed it. I want Which them to have more skill, yeah. more skill and keep the will and thrill alive. Yeah. So uh, that's 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 what we're after. There's a lot of resources there. So then then but I don't have the whole universe of resources. So how do uh-huh. you what do you choose? Right. Well, if you see something and you you try it out and the kids are working hard and they love it, it fits. I can't. I'm not Great advice. Everything in the world. I'm not. Mm-hmm. But you need that some that mindset. I'm going to use things that do that. Right. Um. So, so I've got resources, but there's all more than important than that is that 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 knowledge that I'm going to measure that. And then on the website there is a a, a, a chart to fill out, and it the, where the parents measure their kids' will and thrill. Oh, Download okay. that for free. And every year you write a grade level in where their will and thrill is. You see if you're keeping it up all the way through grade twelve. So in the That's upper right gauge. corner, mm-hmm. the kids love it, and they're and they're one hundred percent engaged. Yeah. At the bottom left, they're doing nothing and they hate it. Yeah. And there's and okay, mm-hmm. and you got a spectrum, and so you can keep track of will and thrill along the way. Yeah. And and that's the the greatest indicator of of how your your students are going to move on versus you know just the grades that they got, the books they finished, the 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 courses they passed um, because that when things are going to get tough with learning and are they going to push through? Are they going to have that in, intrinsic mm-hmm. motivation to say, I still want to keep learning even though it's hard. Yes. And, and want. so, yes, yes. So these are, are great, great resources. And um, there's definitely a lot of, of 
incredible information you've shared with us today, Lee. I'm, I'm excited that um, we've had viewers on and, and the questions that you've um, answered. And um, I'd love for you to let our viewers know how they can connect with you. I guess you shared your website, l to, to j.net. Yeah, and, and um, it's lee at l to j.net. Okay. Lee at, at l to j.net. And that's your email. Yeah, and then yep. um, I am going to be at 10 homeschool conferences. Yes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes speaking, and uh, but always at a booth with the materials that people can see. Great. But I can tell you it's in South Carolina, Cincinnati, Ohio, Allen, Texas, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Ontario, Ontario, California, Albuquerque, New Mexico, here in Phoenix, my home state, and Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're in any of those, come by and say hi. That would yeah. be wonderful. That, that'd be awesome. Yes, I know that the, the convention season is upon us, and my plane tickets are bought <laughs> for most of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy time. Um, I'm going to let's see, three in April, two in June so far. Okay. Um, so, so yes, well, then, but then I'll get to, I'll probably get to talk to you face to face somewhere there. Maybe the ones you mentioned, I I don't have on my list yet. So oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of them out there. Um, yes. yes, yep. And I know a lot of our parents can't make it out of their own home, so that's why we do this this um, sure. broadcast. Sure. What we do, and it allows them to be able to interact and listen to great advice like you offered today, Lee, and um, from the comfort of their own homes. And um, so so thank you for, again, being on this broadcast and, and sharing um, with our viewers. Yeah. And I, I just loved everything you had to share. It, um, it, it makes so much sense. It gets down to the basics and, and what um, we, we forget a lot about when we're teaching is that um, it, it's so simple, yet yes. it's so profound <laughs> at the same time. Uh, the, uh, on the website, you'll see the, uh, the logo that came from somebody else looking at my work, but it's better outcomes, happier kids. Yeah. That's what Definitely. we want. Yeah. yeah. And we can do it. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not the norm, but it's not complicated. There's nothing I teach that's complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have any closing statements or um, encouragement for our viewers before we, we close out this conversation? I would just say, hang on to the, the skill, will, and thrill. Because you don't want um, to spend all this effort educating your own children and have the same problems that schools have. Right. Um, there's a teacher shortage in the country. Yeah. And when you talk to teachers, why is there a shortage? It's because the, 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 the uh, school board and the administrators have bought programs that they're required to use. Yeah. If they said to the teachers, here's what your kids have to know by the end of the year, you're, you're welcome to use your own creativity and how you're going to get them there. They would not be a teacher shortage. But they buy these programs and demand that they use them. So don't fall into your home parent, your home educator. Don't fall into that same trap of buying a big program and making the kids use it. If you're going to do that, don't bother. Send them, send them to a school that already has a program. You don't have to buy it. Right. Yeah, that is, that is so true. Yeah. And and we have the ability more than anybody else to tweak and change. The ability, use it. Use yep. it. 
Yeah. Awesome. Great advice. I love that. Um, thank you again, Lee. And this has been a great conversation. And um, we're going to continue on with the same um, alternatives for for therapy um, for in our discussion this month. And next week on the broadcast, we are going to be talking about how to transform ADHD and sensory issues with movement. And I know Lee talked a little bit about, you know, adding that movement to help Mm -hmm. improve that will. Um, And so we're going to focus a lot of time on, on just that incorporation of movement into your homeschooling and how um, some, some creative ideas to, to get, to get that blood pumping and uh, the the books and the learning off the table. So. um, so, Can I say one thing about the the homeschool book? Yes. Absolutely. Because here's it when people have that how to create a perfect homeschool, I write the how to. Kelly writes the what happened. Yes. And it's her what happened, those stories that make the book pop. My home my how the how to can be boring, but the <laughs> what happened with her yeah. three kids is what makes it exciting. So I just want to leave that with her because it it's it's and it's it's written out of college. It's easy to see what she wrote. That's awesome. And I leave that with your listeners because it her stories make it pop. And really, it is. I mean, that's that's the most encouragement that that our viewers have sh- you know said over and over again. It's those those you've given me the you know the encouragement and the the example to say yes, this is doable, and I'm I'm going to just trust now that I can I can do this instead of just saying, well, here's you know. Having advice is one thing, but seeing proven results is is yeah. a whole nother. And and so That's I so I love that your book focuses on on both of those things. And um, here's here's the why, and here's here's the you know. What happens um, yeah. when you do that? So, so that's a great combination, and um, sounds like it's it's going to be a lot of encouragement for many people. So, okay. so so thanks again, Lee, and thank, thank you me. all for joining us on the broadcast. And we will see you again here next week to um, talk about ADHD and movement and um, and continue the conversation. So, have a good week, everyone. God bless, and we will see you next time. Bye. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.